0: Chapter eighteen of Sylvian Bruno by Lewis Carroll. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Queer Street Number 40. Lady Muriel was the speaker. And for the moment that was the only fact I could clearly realize. But how she came to be there, and how I came to be there, and how the glass of champagne came to be there all these were questions which i felt it better to think out in silence and not commit myself to any statement till i understood things a little more clearly first accumulate a mass of facts and then construct a theory that i believe is the true scientific method i sat up rubbed my eyes and began to accumulate facts a smooth grassy slope bounded at the upper end by venerable ruins half buried in ivy at the lower by a stream seen through arching trees a dozen gaily dressed people seated in little groups here and there some open hampers the debris of a picnic such were the facts accumulated by the scientific researcher and now what deep far-reaching theory was he to construct from them the researcher found himself at fault yet stay one fact had escaped his notice while all the rest were grouped in twos and in threes arthur was alone while all tongues were talking he was silent while all faces were gay his was gloomy and despondent here was a fact indeed the researcher felt that a theory must be constructed without delay lady muriel had just risen and left the party could that be the cause of his despondency the theory hardly rose to the dignity of a working hypothesis clearly more facts were needed the researcher looked round him once more and now the facts accumulated in such bewildering profusion that the theory was lost among them for lady muriel had gone to meet a strange gentleman just visible in the distance and now she was returning with him both of them talking eagerly and joyfully like old friends who had been long parted and now she was moving from group to group introducing the new hero of the hour and he young tall and handsome moved gracefully at her side with the erect bearing and firm tread of a soldier verily The theory looked gloomy for Arthur. His eye caught mine, and he crossed to me. He is very handsome, I said. Abominably handsome, muttered Arthur, then smiled at his own bitter words. Lucky no one heard me but you. Dr. Forrester, said Lady Muriel, who had just joined us, let me introduce to you my cousin, Eric Linden, Captain Linden, I should say arthur shook off his ill-temper instantly and completely as he rose and gave the young soldier his hand i've heard of you he said i'm very glad to make the acquaintance of lady muriel's cousin yes that's all i'm distinguished for as yet said eric so we soon got to call him with a winning smile and i doubt glancing at lady muriel if it even amounts to a good conduct badge but it's something to begin with you must come to my father eric said lady muriel i think he's wandering among the ruins and the pair moved on the gloomy look returned to arthur's face and i could see it was only to distract his thoughts that he took his place at the side of the metaphysical young lady and resumed their interrupted discussion talking of herbert spencer he began do you really find no logical difficulty in regarding nature as a process of involution passing from definite coherent homogeneity to indefinite incoherent heterogeneity amused as i was at the ingenious jumble he had made of spencer's words i kept as grave a face as i could no physical difficulty she confidently replied but i haven't studied logic much would you state the difficulty well said arthur do you accept it as self-evident is it as obvious for instance as that things that are greater than the same are greater than one another to my mind she modestly replied it seems quite as obvious i grasp both truths by intuition "'but other minds may need some logical—' "'I forget the technical term.' "'For a complete logical argument,' Arthur began with admirable solemnity, "'we need two prim misses.' "'Of course,' she interrupted. "'I remember that word now, and they produce—' "'A delusion,' said Arthur. "'Yes,' she said dubiously. I don't seem to remember that so well but what is the whole argument called a syllogism ah yes i remember now but i don't need a syllogism you know to prove the mathematical axiom you mentioned nor to prove that all angles are equal i suppose why of course not one takes such a simple truth as that for granted here i ventured to interpose and to offer her a plate of strawberries and cream i felt really uneasy at the thought that she might detect the trick and i contrived unperceived by her to shake my head reprovingly at the pseudo-philosopher equally unperceived by her arthur slightly raised his shoulders and spread his hands abroad as who should say what else can i say to her and moved away leaving her to discuss her strawberries by involution or any other way she preferred by this time the carriages that were to convey the revellers to their respective homes had begun to assemble outside the castle grounds and it became evident now that lady muriel's cousin had joined our party that the problem how to convey five people to elverston with a carriage that would only hold four must somehow be solved the honourable eric Linden who was at this moment walking up and down with lady muriel might have solved it at once no doubt by announcing his intention of returning on foot of this solution there did not seem to be the very smallest probability the next best solution it seemed to me was that i should walk home and this i at once proposed you sure you don't mind said the earl i'm afraid the carriage won't take us all and i don't like to suggest to eric to desert his cousin so soon so far from minding it i said i should prefer it it will give me time to sketch this beautiful old ruin i'll keep you company arthur suddenly said and in answer to what i suppose was a look of surprise on my face he said in a low voice i really would rather i should be quite de in the carriage i think i'll walk too said the earl you'll have to be content with eric as your escort he added to lady muriel who had joined us while he was speaking you must be as entertaining as cerberus three gentlemen rolled into one lady muriel said to her companion it will be a grand military exploit a sort of forlorn hope the captain modestly suggested You do pay pretty compliments, laughed his fair cousin. Good day to you, gentlemen three, or rather, deserters three. And the two young folk entered the carriage and were driven away. How long will your sketch take? said Arthur. Well, I said, I should like an hour for it. Don't you think you had better go without me? I'll return by train. I know there's one in about an hour's time. Uh, Perhaps that would be best said the earl the station is quite close so i was left to my own devices and soon found a comfortable seat at the foot of a tree from which i had a good view of the ruins it is a very drowsy day i said to myself idly turning over the leaves of the sketch-book to find a blank page why i thought you were a mile off by this time for to my surprise the two walkers were back again i came back to remind you Arthur said, that the trains go every ten minutes. "'Nonsense,' I said. "'It isn't the Metropolitan Railway.' "'It is the Metropolitan Railway,' the Earl insisted. "'This is part of Kensington.' "'Why do you talk with your eyes shut?' said Arthur. "'Wake up.' "'I think it's the heat makes me so drowsy,' I said, hoping, but not feeling quite sure, that I was talking sense.' Uh, am i awake now i think not the earl judicially pronounced what do you think doctor he's only got one eye open and he's snorting like anything cried bruno do wake up you dear old thing and he and sylvie set to work rolling the heavy head from side to side as if its connection with the shoulders was a matter of no sort of importance and at last the professor opened his eyes and sat up blinking at us with eyes of utter bewilderment would you have the kindness to mention he said addressing me with his usual old-fashioned courtesy whereabouts we are just now Uh, and who we are beginning with me i thought it best to begin with the children this is sylvie sir and this is bruno ah yes i know them well enough the old man murmured it's myself i'm most anxious about and perhaps you'll be good enough to mention at the same time how i got here a harder problem occurs to me i venture to say and that is how you're to get back again true true the professor replied that's the problem no doubt viewed as a problem outside of oneself it is a most interesting one viewed as a portion of one's own biography it is i must admit very distressing he groaned but instantly added with a chuckle as to myself i think you mentioned that i am uh, the professor bruno shouted in his ear didn't oo you know that oo've come from outland and it's ever so far away from her. the professor leapt to his feet with the agility of a boy there's no time to lose he exclaimed anxiously i'll just ask the guileless peasant with his brace of buckets that contain uh, apparently water if you'll be so kind as to direct us guileless peasant he proceeded in a louder voice would you tell us the way to outland the guileless peasant turned with a sheepish grin eh was all he said the way to Outland, the Professor repeated. The guileless peasant sat down his bucket and considered. I oh, do not. I ought to mention, the Professor hastily put in, that whatever you say will be used in evidence against you. The guileless peasant instantly resumed his bucket. Then I says snout, he answered briskly and walked away at a great pace the children gazed sadly at the rapidly vanishing figure he goes very quick the professor said with a sigh but i know that was the right thing to say i've studied your english laws however let's ask the next man that's coming he is not guileless and he's not a peasant but i don't know that either point is of vital importance it was in fact the honourable eric linden who had apparently fulfilled his task of escorting lady muriel home was now strolling leisurely up and down the road outside the house enjoying a solitary cigar might i trouble you sir to tell us the nearest way to outland oddity as he was in outward appearance the professor was in that essential nature in which no outward disguise could conceal a thorough gentleman and as such eric linden accepted him instantly he took the cigar from his mouth and delicately shook off the ash while he considered the name sounds strange to me he said i doubt if i can help you it's not very far from fairyland the professor suggested eric linden's eyebrows were slightly raised at these words and an amused smile which he courteously tried to repress flitted across his handsome face a trifle cracked he muttered to himself what a jolly old patriarch he is then he turned to the children and can't you help him little folk he said with a gentleness of tone that seemed to win their hearts at once surely ye you know all about it how many miles to babylon Three score miles and ten can i get there by candle-night yes and back again to my surprise bruno ran forwards to him as if he were some old friend of theirs, seized the disengaged hand and hung on to it with both of his own, and there stood this tall, dignified officer in the middle of the road, gravely swinging a little boy to and fro, while Sylvie stood ready to push him, exactly as if a real swing had suddenly been provided for their pastime. We don't want to go to Babylon, who knows? Bruno explained as he swung. And it is, isn't candlelight it's daylight sylvie added giving the swing a push of extra vigour which nearly took the whole machine off its balance by this time it was clear to me that eric linden was quite unconscious of my presence even the professor and the children seemed to have lost sight of me and i stood in the midst of the group as unconcernedly as a ghost seeing but unseen how perfectly isochronous the professor exclaimed with enthusiasm he had his watch in his hand and was carefully counting bruno's oscillations he measures time quite as accurately as a pendulum yet even pendulums the good-natured young soldier observed as he carefully released his hand from bruno's grasp are not a joy forever come that's enough for one bout little man next time we meet you shall have another meanwhile you'd better take this old gentleman to queer street number We'll find it, cried Bruno eagerly as they dragged the professor away. We are much indebted to you, the professor said, looking over his shoulder. Don't mention it, replied the officer, raising his hat as a parting salute. What number did you say? the professor called from the distance. The officer made a trumpet of his two hands. Forty, he shouted in stentorian tones and not piano by any means he added to himself it's a mad world my master's a mad world he lit another cigar and strolled on towards his hotel what a lovely evening i said joining him as he passed me "Uh, lovely indeed he said where did you come from dropped from the clouds i am strolling your way i said and no further explanation seemed necessary have a cigar Uh, thanks i'm not a smoker is there a lunatic asylum near here Uh, not that i know of Mm, thought there might be made a lunatic just now queer old fish as ever i saw and so in friendly chat we took our homeward ways and wished each other good night at the door of his hotel left myself i felt the eerie feeling rush over me again and saw standing at the door of number forty the three figures i knew so well then it's the wrong house bruno was saying no no it's the right house the professor cheerfully replied but it's the wrong street that's where we've made our mistake our best plan now will be to-it was over the street was empty commonplace life was around me and the eerie feeling had fled end of chapter 18